Right, guys? Good morning. So we are continuing our study through the Gospel of Matthew. And I think if you've been uh, following along with us in this study, I think what you might be feeling is that there's this building tension in the book. And Jesus is giving us some really strong words and strong commands. Last week, Jordan mentioned that Jesus tells us to take up our cross and follow after him. And we might begin to think that Christianity is for the strong. And we might begin to think that we don't qualify to be Christians. And honestly, it feels a little bit insensitive in the time of COVID because we are generally feeling like we need some rest. Like, How good does a vacation feel? right now. Like even just to think about it would, would be amazing. And, uh, but we all know that even if we were to go on that vacation, that it wouldn't meet our need for rest in the deepest parts of our soul. You guys have experienced that before, right? I remember Melissa and I, a couple years ago, we went on this cruise and we just went on the cheapest cruise. And so it was like one of the more uh, party type cruises, you know, and I just remember there was this cruise director, his name was Mike, and uh, every once in a while he would just get on the loudspeaker and he would just be like, all right guys, there's a party on deck three and everyone who wants to come down here, come and have a great time and all that, and I was honestly in the mood for the type of rest that was just like lay in the room, take a nap, chill out, enjoy, relax, and so the cruise was great. But overall, I would say it was just disappointing because it felt like every time I was about to lay down and take a nap, cruise director Mike comes on the loudspeaker and wakes me up from my nap. And I'm like, no, Mike, I don't want to go to deck three and party again. I just want to take a nap. Leave me alone. And so what promised rest to me on the front in this vacation turned out to not give me the rest that I would desire. And so many of us, we're running to all different things, whether it's vacation or relationships, or we wish we could go to another restaurant, or we wish we could go to that coffee shop, and we think, if I just had this, then it would give me the rest that I want. But Jesus wants to give us a rest of a whole different kind and a whole different quality. And so what we're going to do this morning, you'll see on the slides that there's two whole chapters that we could be covering, but I felt led by the Lord to just look at three verses. So let's read Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And this is the invitation that Jesus gives to us. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus gives us soul rest. In the midst of this world of chaos, where so many different things are promising us the rest that we desire, Jesus says, I can give you the genuine rest that you want. And so we're going to look at three truths about the rest that Jesus gives. And the first one is that Jesus gives rest to the weary. 
Verse 28 again, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So just before this passage, there's this interesting section where Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says, God, I thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. And that these things that he's referring to are the secrets of the kingdom of God or where we find true rest. He says, thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding. And when we think about it, we think in our natural selves that rest is only for the wise and understanding. It's for people who can get their stuff together. It's for people who are smart enough that they can make enough money, that they can build a big enough house, that they can have people taking care of their lawn, that they can have people bring groceries to their front door, and that they can rest. Or it's for capable people who can get their act together and work out five or six days a week and get their body in perfect shape so they don't have to deal with all the aches and pains of life. And they can put together their workout plan and they can work the workout plan. And when they work the workout plan, they feel good and they feel better than everybody else and they look better than everybody else. And if we would just follow the workout plan, then we would finally be able to rest from that inner turmoil that we all feel in life. And so what we naturally think is that rest is for the wise. It's for the capable. It's for people who can pull themselves together, get their act together, dress nicely, act nicely, and be good enough. It's always about being enough. And Jesus gives an entirely different kind of invitation than the world gives to us. He doesn't say those are invited to come rest who are enough. He says those are invited to come and rest who are nothing. What qualifies you to come and get the rest that Jesus offers is that you are weary beat down by life? Do you have regrets this morning? Are you filled with regret about your past? Wish you wouldn't have done those things that you did. Your conscience is constantly bothered by it, and you feel like you can get no rest. No matter how much you accomplish, no matter how put together you become on the outside, At a deep soul level, you are weary because of your past. Jesus says, it's that type of weariness that qualifies you to come to him. But some of you, you're filled with anger and bitterness and unforgiveness in your relationships. And you're just wearied by the brokenness that you know that you have caused, at least in part. And you don't know how to deal with those relationships. You don't know how to be enough in those relationships. 
You don't know how to do enough to make those relationships right. And it seems like you're the type of person that when you try to step in and make the relationships right, they just keep going more and more wrong. And so you labor, you're trying, but you're weary, you're heavy laden, you're humbled, you're bowed down. You're just like, man, I I don't think I can take another step. You just honestly, this morning, you feel like you're just done. And and some of you, it, it takes an even deeper level than that. There's like chemical imbalances in your brain. You're struggling with depression. And and if you're honest, you're not doing great. You're not even doing good. You're doing terrible right now. You're even running some suicidal thoughts through your mind. And, And that seems like a good option to you this morning. You are like bone tired and weary. And if somebody tells you one more thing that you have to do to be enough, that might be the final straw for you. That might seriously be where you're at right now. And you're just tuning in right now, or you're here in person, and you're just looking for a word of hope and encouragement. And Jesus says, it's these type of people who are wearied and worn out and absolutely done with life, who he is inviting to come. We we read this article as a staff this week about grace. And there was this line in this article that Jordan handed out to us that said this, to believe and consent to be loved while unworthy is the great secret. The great secret of the Christian life is that unworthiness qualifies you to come to Jesus. All you need is need to come to Jesus. And so what is inhibiting our progress in the faith is not that we are not enough It's that we think we have to be enough to be a Christian. The way up is down in Christ. Now think how silly it would be if you saw a sign that said, homeless shelter, everyone's welcome. And you were homeless and you thought, there's no way they're going to accept me. My jeans are pea-stained, and I got junk all over my shirt. I smell terrible. I've got alcohol in my breath. I smoke like a chimney. I look absolutely terrible. There is no way that they would let me into the homeless shelter. And so you try to find a a better set of clothes. You steal some clothes from a nice place, and, and you get a haircut somehow, and you take a shower, and you try to get yourself as cleaned up as you possibly can. Here's the truth. The more cleaned up you get, the less you are qualified to go to the homeless shelter. The less they're going to believe your story that you are actually homeless. Because the whole purpose of a homeless shelter 
is to help you get cleaned up and get on with your life. It's a place where you come to rest. You come for help. It's a place for the needy. And so to get your act together is to disqualify yourself from getting let in. Jesus is saying, guys, I don't operate the way that the world operates. My presence is a home for the needy. And I want to give you rest. What are you holding on to right now in your life to make you enough? Is it religious performance? Is it your money? Is it a friendship? What are you holding on to so that God and other people will think that you're enough? What if these difficult circumstances in your life that have led you to this place of feeling desperate and done are so that you would finally come to Jesus and experience the soul rest that he offers. He doesn't say, come to me and earn your rest. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. All you have to do is come as you are. No qualifications, no ladder going up. Just lay on your face and cry out to him. So that's the invitation. Come if you're weary and heavy laden. The second thing we see about Jesus' invitation is that Jesus gives rest as we work. So, so far there seems to be something that's missing because we've got to work. There's things that we have to do. There's bills to pay. There's diapers that need to be changed. There's people who need help. There's phone calls. There's jobs that we're all managing. And so how do we find this soul rest in the midst of this life that is characterized often by hard work and responsibility? How, when there's so much to do, can we rest? And this is what Jesus says, 29a. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So as Jesus often does, he uses an agricultural metaphor. He uses the metaphor of a yoke. And so he says, this is what life is like. Life is like pulling a plow. Life is hard work. There's a lot to do. And the reason that life feels hard, especially as you get older and you gain more responsibility, is because it's hard. It's difficult. It's not easy. And God wants us to be productive members of society, and he wants us to be productive for his kingdom. And so there are times when we lay down and rest, but he's saying, this is how you 
receive the rest that I give. It's not by avoiding work, but it's by going into your work in a certain way. And so Jesus offers us a yoke. And so a yoke is a piece of wood that goes between two oxen and they each stand on one side of it and they pull a plow together. And so Jesus doesn't say, take off your yoke and just rest. He says, trade in your yoke for my yoke. And so I think what he's having us picture here is that most of us have gotten used to living lives independent of Jesus. So it is as if we are an oxen trying to pull a plow on our own. And so you imagine there's supposed to be another ox on the other side of the yoke, and we're trying to pull it ourselves. It doesn't work. So we're trying and trying and trying, but there's always like imbalance in our lives, and there's always anxiety in our lives, and it just feels like our jobs and our marriage and our family are too much for us to handle. And Jesus says, here's what I'm not telling you, that following me is going to change your circumstances. It's not going to make your life easier. I'm, I'm not here to take away the labor. I'm not here to take away the farming metaphor for your life. You're still going to be pulling a plow. There's still crops to be planted. There's still a field to be cultivated. But what he's saying is, you weren't meant to live your life independently. Here's the difference between the yoke that you're normally pulling and the yoke that Jesus offers you. In the yoke that Jesus offers you, he's the other ox. He's on the other side of that yoke. And he's the biggest, strongest ox that you've ever seen in your life. And so what he's offering you is help. Moment by moment, help in your life. And he wants you to go from a life of independence and setting your own agenda to this life of walking side by side with him. So here's the picture in, in sort of a modern metaphor, okay? Imagine trying to ride a tandem bicycle on the back by yourself, okay? And so some of you, you're engineers, you're pretty smart, and so you've rigged up some system where you can like, you know, pull the brakes with some ropes and, and you can steer the handlebars and you've sort of figured it out. But riding a tandem bicycle by yourself is not only hard, it's stupid. It's just dumb. And people might be impressed by you because you figured out a way to do that, and so it appeals to your pride, but it's just stupid. And here's Jesus. You're riding your bike up a hill on the back of a tandem with this like pulley system rigged up, 
in Lance Armstrong, okay, I know the connotations, forget the doping, that's not part of the illustration, okay, but Lance Armstrong rides by on a, on a tandem, and he's on the front, and he says, hey, hop on, let's ride together. Guys, it's going to be more fun, it's going to be a lot more efficient, the only thing that you would have to lose in that scenario is the pride of being able to ride a tandem on your own. Here's all that you have to lose in climbing in the yoke of dependence on Jesus is your pride. But what you have to gain is his strength as you go through life, through every trial, through every up, through every down, he wants to jump into your life with you, full-fledged, and help you pull that plow. Think of the humility of Jesus. Okay, we get kind of offended by metaphors like this. Like, is he calling me an ox? And especially the ladies are like, I don't want to be compared to an ox. But here's what Jesus is saying. You're an ox, and so am I. I'm willing to come into the dirty work of your life. Guys, I don't want you to think of like the big project that's going to get you a lot of notoriety. We're talking about the most menial tasks of our life, the things that we don't want to do, like snow blow the driveway or mow the lawn or change the diaper or sit with a friend who's hurting and be a counselor to them. Jesus is saying, I want to come into the real daily stuff of your life, and I want to help you out with it. So here's the question we have, right? How do we access that? How do we have that kind of relationship with Jesus? And Jesus gives us the secret to walking with him in this type of way. And it's that we get to know him, not at a superficial level, not at a distance, but we get to know his very heart. He gives us this kind of rest from his heart. Okay, look at the text again. We're going to read verses 29 and 30. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So throughout the Gospel of Matthew, We've been hearing a lot of Jesus' prophetic voice. We've been hearing him tell us that if we even get angry with somebody in our heart, we've committed murder. Or if we lust after someone, that we've committed adultery. We've heard him say to take up our cross and follow him. We've heard him say that we're called to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. We've been told that if we even put aside one 
of the commandments of God, we've gone off of God's path for our life. We've been given these illustrations of good trees and bad trees, and and we've been told that a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. And we've been called in one word that to enter into the kingdom of God is to repent of our sin. And in all of that, what Jesus has been doing is he's been trying to get us to take our iron grip off of our own life for our security and our satisfaction. He's been just trying to pry our fingers off of our life. And, And we often, we double down when we hear Jesus do that. And we're just like, no! And, and if we're honest, sometimes we read through the gospel. Have you ever talked to somebody who said this? They're, they're reading through the gospels for the first time. And they're like, man, I feel like Jesus is kind of mean. And we don't like that. And we don't understand why he's talking about money and why he's talking about hell and why he's talking about our sexuality and, and why is He's so mean. But what you'll find is that if you get to know him and you begin to see his heart, that he is different than you ever imagined he would be. This is the only place where Jesus reveals his heart to us in the Bible. And this is what he says about his heart, that he is gentle. In other words, he's humble. He's kind. A little bit later, Matthew quotes the Old Testament where it says that Jesus would not blow out a smoldering wick. Imagine the smoldering wick of a candle. Someone who is done, barely hanging on for dear life. The fire used to be burning strong in their relationship with God, and it is smoldering. There is no flame left. And Jesus is so gentle, so kind, that he won't even put that wick out. Then it says that he's lowly in heart. And the literal idea of this word lowly is that his heart is low to the ground. It's bowed down. He's soft. He's tender. We, we might get this picture from the yoke and the ox illustration that Jesus is like just this big ox and then he's next to us in the yoke and he's just like, come on! Can't you get your act together? Can't you get your stuff done? Can't you just get your discipline straight and stop sinning like that and stop doing that and just repent? But here's what Matthew's saying. 
is going to help you make progress in your relationship with God is when you know his heart. That he is not demanding. He is not mean-spirited. He is not angry at you. He loves you. Now, something I've noticed as I've sort of observed mature Christians over the years versus brand new Christians is brand new Christians, especially guys, they love the scenes in the Gospels like where Jesus makes the whip. Just like driving people out of the temple. I just love that Jesus. It's just Rambo style. He's the man. But people who generally see Jesus that way, and from my observation, don't display the character qualities of Jesus in their life. That's their picture of him. People who know him well and display his character in their lives, when I ask them to describe Jesus, do you know what happens? They get tears in their eyes. And they say things like, he is so He is so good. Now, how does our picture change? Because both are true, right? Jesus, he did make a whip. He did drive people out of the temple. He does call us to repent. But how do we begin to know not just his words, not just his actions, but his heart? Now, think about this for a second. One thing that I've experienced as a person who's in a public role, is that people can start to think that they know me because they hear me speak. And so my wife will often tell me what she thinks people's perception is of me, which is hilarious. She says, you know, you come across very black and white, you're a truth speaker, and people can be intimidated by you. So that's, that's perception, right? This is how we think you are. But if you talk to any of my family members growing up and you said, describe what Drew is like, they would say, emotionally sensitive, tends to struggle with fear. Why? Why would you, or, or a lot of you who don't know me as well, describe me one way, maybe be intimidated, or think that I'm a true speaker, and my family describe me in a different way? Because they know me. Right? They actually know me. They've lived daily life with me. They've walked through the ups and downs. They've seen when I was struggling in school. They've seen me cry. You guys know I got a 2.7 GPA in high school? How much work that takes <laughs> to do that bad? I always struggled with motivation, just taking the next step in life because of 
of just fear and insecurity. And it's only by the grace of God that I'm up here. But proximity to someone and time with them lets you get to know their heart. And maybe you have thought that you know Jesus, but you've only been observing him at a distance. And what he's calling you to is a real relationship with him. But here's what you got to do. And this is why not a lot of people enter into this kind of relationship with Jesus. To see his heart, you got to give him yours. You got to trust him. You got to step in faith. You got to tell him all your junk. You got to tell him your fears. You got to tell him your anxieties. You definitely got to tell him about your sin. you've got to be open to him changing you at the depths of your very being which is the scariest thing in the world we don't want to give anyone that type of access but Jesus says if you'll do that here's what you'll find that I am gentle and lowly in heart and maybe for the first time, you'll find rest in your soul. Do you know what's probably going to come out first? Cuss words. Anger. Because part of what's keeping us all distant from, from Jesus is we're just so mad at him. We're so mad. We don't like the life that he's given us. We don't like the circumstances that we're in. We feel like he's against us. And so we pretend and we keep him at a distance and he's calling you to his heart and he's saying, if you will believe me, if you'll give me your heart, you'll find the rest, the deep soul rest that you've always been looking for. Now, here's a question I have for you. Why are people not wearing oxen yokes around their neck right now? Why is the yoke not the symbol of Christianity? It's because the cross is the symbol of Christianity. And the Bible says that Jesus, because of the humility of his heart, that he became obedient to death even death on a cross. Here's why you give Jesus your heart. Because he gave you his everything at the cross. He took your sin on himself. He died in your place. And the cross is the ultimate invitation to come for those of us who are weary and angry and in sin and rebelling against him. And we can be absolutely sure that he'll accept us. So come to him. Let's pray. Jesus, if, uh, 
if we're honest, we're worn out. We're angry. We're filled with pride. We're filled with greed. We're filled with lust and anxiety. We feel bitter. And at the bottom of it all, God, we feel so unlovable, so alone. And we think if anyone knew who I really am, there's no way they would accept me. And we've experienced so much rejection in our human relationships that we don't know if we want to keep trying. Jesus, we need a gentle and lowly Savior. Would you show yourself to us? Would you give us hope and courage to draw near to you as the sky keeps getting darker and this pandemic rages on and our emotional and spiritual lives feel out of whack? Would you just make it simple for us, Jesus? Help us to come back to you. And would we find the rest that we're looking for? In Jesus' name, amen.